Hello, and welcome to the Heartfire Beat. This is a monthly podcast featuring interviews with authors from the Journal of Cardiac Failure. I'm Eileen Sheesh, your host, and I'm happy to be bringing you an episode in our bonus patient series. This puts a spotlight on important advances in heart failure care for both patients and caregivers. I'm joined today by Dr. Kathleen Falkenberg, who is an advanced heart failure and heart transplant clinical pharmacist at the Cleveland Clinic, and Dr. Barry Blesky, who is professor and chair of the Department of Pharmacy, Practice, and Administrative Sciences at the University of New Mexico College of Pharmacy. And today, we're going to be talking about heart failure medication, as well as natural and supplemental products that are often used by heart failure patients. So we're going to begin with Dr. Falkenberg. Can you tell me how important are the heart failure medications for heart failure patients? Yeah, thank you so much for the introduction. So there are certain drug classes of medications that have really undergone rigorous studies, mostly for those patients that have heart failure with reduced ejection fraction and have been shown to increase survival, reduce hospitalization, and significantly improve symptoms. So taking these medications on a regular basis can also improve heart function over time. So they're, they're really, really important to prioritize these medications. Fantastic. What do you think are the three most common types of medication, three or four, that are really important for heart failure patients? And this is actually for Dr. Falkenberg and also for Dr. Blesky. So we'll start with Dr. Falkenberg. The first drug class that really comes to mind for me that I think is a staple in this regimen for patients with heart failure is going to be drugs in the RAS inhibition class. And so there are several drugs that work to block some of these neurohormonal feedback loops like the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, or RAS, that the body tends to develop in somebody with heart failure. So for simplicity's sake, we can just think of this as a bad habit that initially wasn't a problem in the beginning. It could even say was maybe helpful, but now is the biggest issue that can make heart failure symptoms progress and lead to functional decline. So this bad habit can be one of the contributors that increases blood pressure, leading to the main mechanism of action for this drug class, which is to lower blood pressure, which helps the heart to circulate blood to the rest of the body. So what are some of the drugs that are included in this drug class? So there's a couple different drug class categories here. We've got ACE inhibitors. Examples of that would be lisinopril or Zestaril. There's also ARBs. An example of that would be a drug called Valsartan or Diavan. And then the newest agent, which I'm sure that everybody's seen commercials for out there, is called Arnie's, which is Secubitril, Valsartan, or Entresto. And that's kind of just a brief summary of a lot of drugs that fall within that category. Dr. Bolesky, what are your thoughts on the next important drug class for patients with heart failure? Yeah, the next important class, and similar to the ACE inhibitors and RAS inhibitors, are beta blockers. And that both classes of drug are very, very important for heart failure patients and that they're really life-saving drugs. They not only help people, help patients live longer, but also prevent them from going into the hospital. In this case, beta blockers, and the most common ones we use, include metoprolol XL or toprolol XL and carbetolol or Coreg. They protect the heart from a harmful chemical that your body produces, norepinephrine, which can, Dr. Frankberg was alluding to, can really attack the heart and make the heart failure worse. With these drugs, it's important that we start with low doses, and then we need to up-titrate these doses over time to higher doses. So we have to start low, and we don't increase the dose very quickly. 
So as your healthcare practitioner starts increasing the dose, it may take weeks or months to get to the next dose level because the heart has to get used to this drug, to this class of drug of beta blockers. When starting a beta blocker or when we do increase the dose, some patients may feel extra tired, may gain some weight, or become more short of breath. These symptoms are not really unexpected. It's not common, but it can happen. If these occur, our patients have to contact us or your, or your healthcare provider. And importantly, keep taking your beta blockers. We can adjust the dose. We can adjust other medications to help keep our patients and keep the patient on their beta blocker. Other symptoms to look for include dizziness. Overall, though, beta blockers are really pretty well tolerated. And it's important that patients don't abruptly stop taking their beta blockers. So before stopping it, please, we have to have our patients contact us and talk to us beforehand. And with that, another really interesting class of drugs, Dr. Falkenberg, are the um, aldosterone antagonists. Oh, Dr. Bleske, I couldn't agree more. And this is a really interesting medication class because it technically falls within a diuretic drug class. However, in heart failure, we, we use it at such low doses that patients really don't tend to notice an effect on how often they urinate. There are two medications called spironolactone or aldactone and a plerinone or inspra. I like to think of this medication as small but mighty. It can help remodel the heart over time and potentially have impact on collagen formation in the heart. In addition to benefits with electrolytes important to the heart, like potassium, it can help sort of the body retain potassium. They're also known as potassium sparing diuretics. Also, something really neat about this drug class is that they can be beneficial for patients with a low ejection fraction or potentially somebody with preserved ejection fraction. I think one of the most important things, though, about being on this medication is that it's very well tolerated for the most part. It's just to make sure that you get your blood work checked and make sure that your electrolytes look good. It's very, very important for this, for this medication class. And I think it's very complementary to your diuretics, which, Dr. Bleske, I don't know if you have any sort of comments about that drug class, but maybe you can elaborate on how they could complement each other. Oh, sure do. Diuretics are, are wonderful. Even though diuretics may not improve how long the patient lives, they sh- most certainly makes patients feel better and keeps them out of the hospital. So they're a very, very important drug class. As many of our patients know, our diuretics help manage excess fluid or water. And often our patients will say, I'm taking my water pill. As I mentioned, diuretics can help patients feel better. For example, decrease shortness of breath, can improve exercise. And very importantly, as I mentioned, keeps patients out of the hospital. Common diuretics we use are known as loop diuretics, such things as rosemite or Lasix, bumetanide or Bumex, or torsemite or Demodex. And sometimes we'll need to add an extra diuretic known as a thiazide diuretic in addition to loop diuretics. And one of these thiazide diuretics is known as patolazone or xeroxalin. And this helps us better manage uh, our patient's uh, fluid. In patients with heart failure, and especially while on diuretics and for really important for patients to monitor their weight and their symptoms. In general, if patients gain three to five pounds over a week, they should probably contact their healthcare professional or practitioner. And a lot of times that may be different for different patients. And that's just a general guideline there. If you, in addition, if you experience dizziness, patients should also contact their healthcare provider. And finally, and this is important, patients really need to monitor how their body reacts to drugs and how their symptoms are. And in 
for diuretics, after you take your diuretic, if a patient is not seeing the response they normally do, they're not seeing a good urination after taking a diuretic, they really need to contact their doctor or healthcare practitioner because that may mean that their heart failure is getting worse. And so similar to what Dr. Parker mentioned earlier, make sure your physician or healthcare provider is also monitoring your electrolytes because you can lose potassium and magnesium with this drug. And so we need to monitor that and monitor that closely. Thank you. And fantastic. I thought that was just excellent. But before we move on to discuss natural medicine, I want to make sure Dr. Falkenberg doesn't want to add anything else to prescription therapy. You know, I I think the main point, I really can't emphasize the importance of taking these medications. I know that our patients that have heart failure, maybe on combinations of different agents within these different drug classes and you know, the average person with heart failure being on at least six to seven medicines, you've got a lot kind of on your plate. So keep your medication regimen as simple as possible. If you don't know why you're taking medicine, make sure you ask your doctor about it. But you really want to make sure that you're prioritizing your heart failure medications. Otherwise, if it's not easy to take and you forget doses and you run out of refills, those bodies' bad habits are going to return with a vengeance. Also, you want to get into a routine of how and when you take them. I always recommend using a pill box because it's easy to forget, did I take my medicine this morning? So, so just get a pill box. It makes it a lot easier to stay organized. And then to kind of emphasize Dr. Bleski's points, if you happen to notice some of these red flag symptoms, so if you do have a low blood pressure accompanied by dizziness or you're falling or you know you don't feel good, don't stop taking your medicines before you talk to a healthcare professional. But it's certainly something that you want to bring up, especially if you're noticing changes in weight and some of the other things that have previously been mentioned. That is really important. I think taking your meds properly and remembering to take them is probably one of the most important things we do. For the second half of our podcast, I want to focus actually on the natural medicine. So Dr. Bleski, can you actually tell us what our patients need to know? Yeah, so so natural medicine is I think is a wonderful opportunity for the patient and, and their healthcare provider to work together in this area because it really is a number of important points that patients need to be aware of when taking or thinking about natural medicine. Although natural medicines may be effective, there is in most cases, unfortunately, very limited data or evidence to show benefit or harm. Often we don't know what the best dose is, how often to take how natural medicine may interact with other medications, or what adverse effects there are. It's important for patients to realize that natural medicine doesn't that really mean safer or better. It's just different. And so it's important to understand that because a lot of my patients come in, well, I want to take a natural medicine because it's safer. That's not necessarily the case because we don't have that information. We don't know that. So it's very important for patients to talk with their healthcare provider about natural medicine so that we can work together to have safe medication therapy. Another important consideration is that patients need to take the prescription medication first. With prescription medication, we know we can reduce death. We can keep patients out of the hospital. We know what doses to use. We know what drug interactions to expect. And we know what adverse effects to expect. We don't know these things for natural medicines for most cases. Finally, and this is important too, some of these natural medicines can be very expensive. So uh, as I tell my patients, I need you to buy your prescription drugs first. Then let's talk about natural medicine because I can save your life. I can improve your life with your prescription drugs. I'm not sure if I can do that with natural medicine. So 
resources can be limited. So those resources need to be put first towards prescription medicine and not towards natural medications. No, I think that's fantastic. And I think, I know that so many of our uh, listeners are going to want to know about CBD. I think what I'm going to ask for the, the next few questions are to tell me the top three actually natural medicines that are most often taken by heart failure patients. So we're going to have three. We'll start with Dr. Blesky. All right. So uh, I think the, I got three here. So let's first talk about coenzyme Q10. And this is one natural medicine that is often touted to help heart failure patients and often found in combination products that promote heart health. And this is coenzyme Q10. It's thought that coenzyme Q10 may increase the heart's energy production. Now, the data we have is conflicting. It's not clear whether or not CoQ10 can actually improve heart health, So, uh, especially heart failure. So we really don't recommend the routine use of coenzyme Q10 to improve heart failure. With that said, I have patients taking CoQ10 for heart failure in the past, and patients have also tried CoQ10 to help with muscle pain that may occur with taking a statin, because many of my patients are not only on heart failure medication, but also statin therapy to lower cholesterol, such as Lipitor or Atorvastatin. And similar to heart failure, there's really conflicting evidence whether or not CoQ10 can be helpful in that area. Some side effects to consider include nausea, diarrhea, and appetite suppression, also, there may be a drug interaction with warfarin or Coumadin, so patients should not start taking CoQ10 before talking to their doctor if they are on warfarin. The second one I'll, I'll talk about, and then I'll turn it over to uh, Dr. Falkenberg, is red yeast rice. So another natural medicine patients talk about and think about taking is red yeast rice to lower their cholesterol. Now, red yeast rice works the same ways as prescription medication known as the statins, which we already mentioned, such as Liptor or Torvastatin or Simvastatin or Zocor, but it's not as effective. In some preparations, there's actually been found toxic byproducts, which may cause kidney or liver damage. Now, the side effects are similar to statins, muscle pain, liver injury, stomach pain. Patients also need to avoid grapefruit juice if they're thinking about taking this. And most importantly, and, and I can't stress this enough, if you're already taking a stat, such as a Torvastatin, Liptor, Zocor, Crestor, don't take red yeast rice with it. You cannot take both of them together. That can lead to potentially rhabdomyolysis and death. And so with, <laughs> with that nice ending, <laughs> I'll turn it over to uh, Dr. Falkenberg. You were hoping for three medications. One of the things that I think does kind of fit in nicely with what Dr. Bolesky was mentioning with statin therapy is using fish oil as well to help with cholesterol. So, you know, as much as I, I'll just briefly talk about fish oil because we have so many patients that ask about it that, you know, want to use this to help supplement their dietary intake of fish. And as much as I want to love it, I think that these supplements have long been a source of controversy. So the fun fact is this they also might be called Eskimo oil. And the reason for that is because the Eskimo diet was heavy in these sort of fatty fish. And so they had lower cholesterol and potentially had less heart disease. But really, when we look at rigorous studies for fish oil supplements, most of the studies use prescription fish oil or omega-3 fatty acids. And they've been touted to have anti-inflammatory, anti-thrombotic effects. Some data for some populations may show a benefit with cardiovascular events, but really when you look at this supplement in patients 
with modern modern day therapies like beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, some of these drugs we've already talked about, we think that the impact for the cardiovascular events is probably very minimal. And really, so so ideally, what's the skinny with these meds? These supplements alone are likely not going to be beneficial to prevent cardiovascular events for most people, unless you have very high triglycerides. So if you're someone interested in fish oil, I would really recommend that you not add another pill, but instead spend your money on getting those oils from your diet. Remember, these supplements also have undesirable side effects, like fishy aftertaste and even fishy burps, and they can interact with other medications. This is going to be, I think, an underlying theme to some of what we'll talk about with the natural supplements. But then Dr. Sheets, you had mentioned CBD oil. And honestly, I, you know, every morning I turn on the news and I just seem to hear more stories on the growing marijuana industry. And there's no pun intended with that. So there are currently, you know, several states that have marijuana, medical marijuana programs and even, even more states too that have now incorporated recreational legalization of marijuana. So this is really demonstrating a, a wave of interest for the use of marijuana for potential health purposes. I think it's important to break this down into two of the most studied substances, which is cannabidiol or CBD and THC. And when we think of marijuana and the psychotropic effects, that's really gonna be linked more to your THC component. Whereas your CBD, that's what's been touted to have some of these medical benefits like anti-inflammatory and pain relief properties. Now, the exact mechanism of how these substances exert their effects has not really been elucidated, so we're still trying to figure that bit out, but we do know how they're metabolized, and just like other drugs, these substances are metabolized through some of the, the common enzymes in the liver, and this can create a problem potentially with some of the other drugs, prescription drugs that patients might take. So drugs that use the same common pathway for the metabolism in the liver can increase the risk of adverse effects. And I think a prime example of this, specifically for CBD oil, is that it can interact with a drug called warfarin, which prevents blood clots. And this can increase the risk of bleeding by increasing the INR. So a lot of times we think of natural supplements as being natural, beneficial. What can, what can they hurt? But actually, they can hurt a lot if they're not taken carefully. Well, before we wrap up our fantastic program, I, I want to ask Dr. Blesky, is there any other tips that you would you know want to share? Yeah, so I quickly want to mention three patient resources about natural medicine that patients can go to the website and get information. So the first two really provides information about the different natural products. We'll talk about whether or not it's effective, what it's used for. We'll give you common adverse effects, talk about drug interactions, and these two sites, one is uh, from the National Institutes of Health, National Center for Complementary Integrative Health website, and the other one is the Sloan Kettering Cancer Center website. Both those have very good patient resources regarding natural medicine. And we'll have these posted on our website after the podcast here, where you can click on to go find these. The last one I want to talk quickly about is labdoor.com. This is a really a nice resource that tells you what is actually in the natural product or vitamins that you buy in a very independent and transparent manner. For example, Dr. Falkenberg talked about fish oil. With fish oil, the site will tell you not only how much actual fish oil is in the product as compared to what is on the label, but will also give you information about contaminants such as uh, mercury levels. Site will also give you a score on because they'll they'll rank and rate the product from zero to 100, with 100 being you know the best 
what they believe is the best product based on their score. So it's a very good site to help decide the best product to take. And in fact, I use it. I use a site myself to have in my sort of my back pocket when a patient asks about fish oil or vitamin D that I can say, well, here's three or four products that appear to have the label is accurate, has little contaminants, and there's some products for you to consider. And then I direct my patient to the labdoor.com site itself so they can review it for themselves. So all these three sites are very useful and can help patients with natural medicine and vitamins and help with the conversation with their healthcare provider. Wow, that was fantastic. So Dr. Bleski and Dr. Falkenberg, thanks so much for being here today. And listeners, please stay tuned for our next episode of Heart Failure Beats.